Hello and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm Bobby Howard. With me, we've got Jameson Maxwell, Ty Lee. And guys, uh, look, normally we talk about the game that uh, immediately followed. OU did beat TCU, but we have bigger news to talk about, so we're going to get right into it. Uh, Mississippi State University has agreed to a five-year deal with OU offensive coordinator Jeff Levy uh, to become their new head coach. Uh, Levy uh, spent two years at OU, as we all know, and... um, yeah, uh, look, I gotta, I gotta be honest. Um, we had kind of th- talked about the possibility of Levy leaving as an o- as, as a as a head coach, leaving somewhere. Um, but Jameson, to get an SEC job, uh, a couple weeks after you yourself, I believe, said we should fire him mid season. Who would have thought? Look, who, who, look at us. Who, who, who would have thought? <laughs> Can you believe we're here? I will continue to say that I think that he was out no matter what. And I understand there's been some message boards that said that, and I've kind of just taken the opinion and run with it as mine, but I also so much agreed with it that now I'm saying it out loud because the whole Art Bryles thing just ended so weird. And it's so weird that I just don't think OU saw it as worth it to keep him. And I think them organizing this Mississippi State head coach deal for him was honestly the best for both parties. I mean, absolutely. It's, um, I think, a good a good clean break. Uh, you don't have to go through the mess of paying a buyout. You don't have to do any of that. It He's gone. The players aren't mad. It's pretty set. Ty, what are your thoughts on the whole situation? Yeah, I'm not upset. Look, I know there's people that are worried about, uh, you know, will the offense take, you know, a step back. But you have to remember, right, this is – the first offensive coordinator at OU since 1965 to get shut out in Red River. Talking about a guy who put up 33 (laughs) against Kent State, you know, someone who put up 27 against Iowa State, 20 against West Virginia last year. He put up a, you know, a scorching 20 on the the worst team in the Big 12, Cincinnati this year. So I'm not necessarily sure uh, why certain OU fans are freaking out about losing him. Dylan Gabriel was gone either way uh, at the end of the year. And then Jackson Arnold, who knows what's going on with that, but he will uh, Stay. transfers. It's it's probably not related to this. That's just how quarterbacks are nowadays. If he does, we'll scoop up Arch Manning. <laughs> right. Can we just not have this indecisiveness around um, Jackson on this podcast, please? I'm, can I just immediately squash that? Because so, I know that's a bit. I, I completely understand that's no, a bit. No, it's not I'm a, just it's squashing not a bit. that immediately. Jackson Arnold's not going to Mississippi State, right? He might be like, oh, I don't want to be at OU anymore. He'll go to like Oregon or he'll go to USC or something. He's not going to go to anyone who thinks he's going to Mississippi State is uh, has lost their mind. If he right. went to USC, he is absolutely destroying, destroying his reputation. There's no chance that any kind of person would ever say, you know what? That's a good idea. I mean, obviously, we're just playing extreme scenarios here. It's one thing we love to do, the butterfly effect on this podcast like, there's just no shot in terms of this guy that he would leave in this position. No, no. And, and you know, the Oklahoma Daily did apparently call his dad, which is pretty hilarious. But um, they're just killing they're, it over look, there at Gaylord. Shout out to them. Shout out to the intrepid reporters at the Daily. They're doing good work. Uh, um, but anyways, they, they did call his dad and his dad said, Jackson's staying at OU, whatever. Well, I, I, I'm not worried about it. Jackson Arnold... I think 
everybody in this system kind of understands that, look, Levy is a rising star, and if he goes somewhere else, then that's fine. That You, you come to OU for more reasons than just, just, than just Jeff Levy, I would hope. Um, and, you know, we've seen a couple recruits already, you know, say, you know, that they're staying, uh, Devon Mitchell being a big one as well. Uh, so I'm not panicked about a sort of a fire sale of people leaving. Uh, I would anticipate the next guy to be a pretty similar person in terms of, you know, uh, offensive philosophy. I think this was definitely on the table. I think it's a sign of a strong program. Having offensive coordinators go off and get head coaching jobs, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, you know, like, regardless of how we see Lebby and his time at OU, the fact that he was able to get a an SEC Power 5 job is pretty... That that, that mm-hmm. says a lot about Brent, Brent Venables and his staff, I will say. I, it makes me think, I'm not trying to push Lebby down, but without Zach Stellman there at Mississippi State, do we have this opportunity? What would happen this offseason? Do you think he would have a head coaching job that he feels like would be a upward trajectory move for him on the table? Because with his history, there's no doubt that is extremely difficult in interviews for people who don't know you. Zach Selman going through the process of hiring him for Joe Castiglione here whenever he was at OU has already vetted him and feels comfortable in that hire. I just don't think that there's another program across the country that would have taken a chance on Jeff Levy to be their first time, his first time head coaching job other than Mississippi State. So I think that Oklahoma fans, if you were in the camp that you were hoping to move on from Jeff Levy, which I see both sides of the argument, and we'll have plenty of that argument here on this podcast, I'm you've got to be absolutely blessed that a guy that we thought was a huge asset to our athletic department in Selman actually left and took away Jeff Levy from us. So there's two sides to this. So I just think it's a really cool thing to talk about. Yeah. Well, and, and just to clarify, the Mississippi State is like coastal Carolina. They just happen to have been grandfathered into the SEC. So let's not act like this is, you know, a major, major uh, program job here. It's not like he's going to, you know, a, a big blue blood or something like that. But it is, you know, significant nonetheless. Right, and I, I, I think we had talked about, like, Houston being a potential landing spot for him. I could have seen Houston doing it. You know, keep in mind that that's a program whose main booster is Tillman Fertitta. And if you follow the <laughs> NBA, you know, Tillman Fertitta, a guy who put all his faith in, in that organization, uh, put all their faith in Kevin Porter Jr., you know, they probably don't care that much about Jeff Levy. Uh, as no, they don't care about anything. <laughs> so, yeah. So I got to ask, everyone, everyone's good with this? Because I'm kind of, I'm pretty good with it, I would say. Uh, yeah. It's it's always a little nervous going back on the market, you know, trying to get another guy. Always a weird situation. Like, just, the unknown is never fun. It's, it's never comfortable. But that being said, I think we had all fully agreed that Levy wasn't the guy. We were ready mm-hmm. to move on. And I think this provides us an opportunity to do it so cleanly. I'm excited about it. Um, So we, we're all in agreement there. Yeah, and I feel like there's a lot of like new Oklahoma media out there talking about, oh, you guys really don't know ball if you are happy for Jeff Lebby leaving. Look at the numbers he put up. Look at these stats. Top 10 in the country, yada, yada, yada. Here's the thing. I know he can do that whenever it's easy. We've known that his whole time. Whenever it's easy and Jeff Lebby's in his comfort zone, he calls a really damn good game. We've talked about it this whole season. His, the way he's called games at home 
in terms of his play calling versus the times on the road. You can see there is a clear division on how aggressive he is and how comfortable he is to go let his players go out and make plays. And I think that is something to be concerned about. I don't care that he can put up big amounts of points whenever we're at home versus a TCU defense that is atrocious. I do not care what they did versus West Virginia whenever they needed that team to come together. I care about going on the road in Stillwater. I care about whenever we're in Lawrence, whenever the weather's bad, whenever the everything isn't squeaky clean perfect. That's whenever someone with true skill and who's got a lot of knowledge can adapt his game and make the players look like success. And he's struggled with that throughout his two years at Oklahoma. So I get the stats. I get it. But in terms of just Jeff Levy as a play caller, I feel like there's a lot of red flags whenever you move to the SEC where you don't just have these cupcakes every single week and you have a strong opponent all the time. Duh. Yeah, I think you'd want to take another look at someone who could probably adapt a little bit better than Jeff. For sure. And, you know, there is a part to this, too, where Levy might not call the offense for Mississippi State. Like, that might be something where he is not good at, which I, I don't think he's a great play caller. But his offense might be good. And I, mm-hmm. I I don't think, the in general, the offense that OU has employed has been bad. It's the play calling that's yep. been bad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with a different guy at the helm, same type of offense, maybe have different results. Yeah, it, obviously head coaching is a, a completely different animal, so it is yet to be seen. Um, you know, he, he certainly brings, I think, a recruiting boost just because the the reputation. But, yeah, as some, as some other people have said in, in the comments and as Jameson just said, you know, I'm not necessarily too impressed by his play calling either, especially in a dynamic situation. It seems like he was very good at calling – throughout the week scripted stuff and then fitting that in. But then when he had to do something during the game, I mean, I, the quintessential Jeff Lovey moment, I know I told you all this before in text, but was the fact that we didn't lose to BYU because a true freshman quarterback went out there and said, we're not going to jet sweep. I'm going to audible. And then we're going to score a touchdown. So to me, obviously that is, you know, a bit of a, a funny segment, but that's a completely true story. You know, butterfly effect, Will we have lost? Will we not have lost? I don't know. But that was the touchdown that that won the game for us. And that was because a true freshman went out there and said, why are we calling a jet sweep? It's so hilarious. It's so perfectly hilarious that it was a jet sweep, too. I hope it actually was. I hope it actually Um, was. Well, that's what what Jaden Gibson said. Isn't that the link? Yeah. No, that came from. The comment was in the tweet, but I don't think it actually specifically said the jet sweep thing. No, he I'm said. Not, um, I think he said. A there's jet. a video where he says it's. Oh, he said play a jet. Call was okay. a jet. Yeah. Oh, so then yeah, it was a jet. <laughs> God. Okay. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm happy he's gone, but I, I will say. I, I will say. I don't want to be. I don't want to give a parade of crap to this guy, who I think honestly, you know, probably one of the best things Jeff Lebby did when he came to OU was stabilize the offensive room, uh, bringing in Dylan Gabriel with him, convincing him to come was massive at a time where we couldn't clearly couldn't keep uh, Caleb Williams. And, you know, without, I mean, without Caleb, that would have been a really poor situation, I think. So Mm -hmm. what Levy did offensively, I think to stabilize the position groups, all that, I I think that's our, and then obviously bring in Jackson Arnold, what he did from a recruiting standpoint. I thought there were some positives. Uh, Mm -hmm. he was, yeah, I think he was very valuable to keeping this, this yeah. ship together and building it up and heralding it into the next generation. 
I don't think he was the right guy for the future, for that sense, for the play calling sense. But I am thankful for what he did. Yep. Shout out to Jeff Levy for uh, saving OU from having to scoop up a guy like Michael Penix Jr. at Bo Nix in the portal that year. Uh, he he definitely did us a favor. With I mean, Dylan Gabriel. But I, I'm pretty sure those guys were already taken by then. But I think Penix was. I don't know. I, I'll have to redig into it. Bo Nix was not coming, but I think Penix actually was tossed around a little bit. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I don't, I have a sort of a spicy take. I don't want it to, I like to make everyone upset, but ultimately, right. We're moving on to, to the postseason, and this sort of segues into the rest of the podcast, but overall, I'm glad he's gone. Obviously there's a lot more to it than the offensive coordinator, but the offense was a big issue when we needed it to be an issue. And I understand we're 10 and two right now, and this is going to be controversial, but I think the season was kind of a failure, right? This is Oklahoma. The expectations are championships. We had the Big 12 championship well within our grasp. It was 100% our control to get to go play in that game, and we lost it. That's obviously not 100% or even 50% on Levy. And then, of course, you know we broke a, a really, really long winning season streak last streak. So his two years at Oklahoma – Obviously, there's a whole lot of other things that go into this. There's a whole lot of other moving parts and people making decisions. But ultimately, we're not ones of success, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that that needs to be said more, Ty, because I agree. I agree that this season was a failure. Is it the worst failure possible that we've had in this you know, 21st century? No. That's definitely not up there, but it is. It's legitimately. <laughs> I didn't know you had this graphic. <laughs> no, yeah, we're we're going to talk about this later. It. I was. I think we're going to talk about OCs later, but you got to adapt on the road. Go ahead, Jameson. It's, it's, it, but the thing is, like, like oh, if you had to come back and look at the six win, you know, OU team and turn them into a ten win, of course, that is such a great upward trajectory. I quit. I'm so tired of hearing this. And I hear it from way too many really smart OU people. I'm so tired of it. We are not that that six win was an extreme failure. And our expectations with our schedule this year was to go to the Big 12 championship. I understand. Maybe could we have won it? Eh, you know, Texas is a really good team. If we would have lost to them, I'd say, like, you know what? That was that was a tough loss. Going to the Big 12 championship was the expectation, and we didn't meet it. That is a failure whenever you do not meet your expectations. And I understand it's still better than last year, but stop using that as a reference because that is not a good reference for this program. Okay, so look, I, I'll i put it this way because I, I disagree a little bit because I don't think 10 and two, I do not dis- think 10 and 2 was a failure. I don't think it was an overwhelming, let's throw a parade like type of success. There, there's, there's bittersweet. There's a bit of bittersweet to it because I feel like 10 and 2, that's like a standard solid year at Oklahoma. For some people, this is like a massive achievement. It's just whatever for us. It's a blah year. You know, we were 10 and 2 and 21, and it was a disaster at that time. I think the standard obviously has to be higher. It's going to shift a little bit when you're in the SEC, of course, with tough, tougher competition. But it's it's a situation where genuinely all of us at the start of the season said 10 and 2 would have been good. Uh, without a conference championship. And, you know, if you had to ask me, like, would you rather be 10-2 and two with two incredibly dumb losses or 10-2, and two, 
and one of the two two incredibly dumb losses and one of them wasn't texas or 10 and 2 and one of the losses was texas i i picked the i picked i picked the scenario we're in right now um so for me it's one of those where yeah i expect more to the big 12 championship i feel like that's that's the biggest thing in here so you would be like i'm okay with not making it to the big 12 championship well i mean oh so i mean that's that's the that's the 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 only thing that's the right probably i don't care about two ten and two i really don't care about ten and two it matters do you have a chance to win a championship i mean yeah i mean that's not a great scenario i i I, i'm not like i'm not like furious about it i think it's disappointing i wanted more but i will say overall i think this is a step in the right direction and to me i can't quantify that as a failure i can't qualify it as a success though either because it it was just it, it was just good it's just okay. So, yeah, it's a thousand percent a significant step forward from last year. I, I think maybe the best way to put it um, is, you know, the OU as a program was sick. We were very sick last year. We are a little bit less sick. We're still running a little bit of a fever. And it's good. It's gotten significantly better, but we're not going to discharge them from the hospital just yet. You know, we're still going to say that, that they're sick is kind of how I'm I'm seeing if that makes sense. So I think overall, if I had to pick, you know, binary failure success, I would have to go failure just because this is Oklahoma. For a lot of other people, this would be a very, very successful season. But uh, again, expectations are different. And then as we talk about in the future, you know, you get into a 12-team playoff, the entire landscape of the sport is shifting. Um, Expectations will shift. I'm sure winning the SEC, you know, might become more NFL like winning your division is maybe a more realistic expectation and then going on to the playoffs, something like that. But for this year, um, I think that was a, a pretty realistic expectation. Cause again, we could have adjusted that expectation if we came out and, and were a little bit not as well improved. That didn't make any sense, but we should be undefeated right now. And it's, it's our fault that we're not is kind of how I'm, I'm seeing it. So that's, you can't, in my opinion, consider that just a binary success. Yeah. yeah. I, and I, I, I just, I don't think the step in the right direction thing is, should be a feather in your cap because I agree. step in the right direction. We were in the freaking dumps last year. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I, and I, I think there, there's a problem to, you know, diagnosing teams on a binary scale. Yes or no. Especially when you're in a rebuilding situation, when you're trying to get off the mat, trying to build something and figure something out, I think you can't just say yes or no, good, bad. It it just it it had good. It had uh, it had the te- that Texas win that was excellent, but it also had some pretty garbage points where this team showed a lot of immaturity. It showed a lot of lack of discipline from the coaches to the players, and that cost us in key situations. And if you want to be a champion, you can't just rest on your laurels and be happy with that. You have to fix it. You have to improve. But at the same time. It wasn't all bad. It was it was pretty good. And OU fans aren't used to being in this position where it's you know championship or bust usually every year. It's 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 an improvement. Next year, if we lose similar games, I will call that a failure. If we're not if we're not in co- if we're not in contention for a college football playoff spot, you know one through twelve, that's a failure in my book going forward. Where we're at as a program right now. 10 and 2, I think that's meeting the standard. That's a proper, like, B minus C. 
Yeah, and B minus C is not something that an A student likes to see on the report card, Bobby. Yeah, I'm not putting that. it on. I'm not going to put it on the refrigerator or anything. So I'm, I'm not. not ha I'm not, not happy. I'm not going to ground them for a week. So I'm therefore the question is, you know, I think we had two, and I am saying I'm not happy with OU at ten and two, and nor and I think that it is a failure. We did not meet our expectations, right. so therefore yeah. you failed. You did not meet your like your quota, your line that you thought you were going to meet. Second, are you happy with it? I don't care if I took this class and I had a couple of good grades on assignments. You know, they're the biggest, the midterm, you know, the OU Texas game, I got an A on it. But guess what? I failed a couple during the year and therefore I didn't get a good grade on the season. So therefore I'm not happy with that. I don't care if there's some good things that happen along the way. I didn't get to the mark that I expected myself to do in the off season, even if it was a big jump from the last season. So therefore, yes, I'm, I'm not happy. I'm not right. happy. That's this. fine. I'm not but irate. I'm not irate with it, but I'm just tired of people saying, Oh, Oh, you fans should be happy with this season. No, I have every right to not be, content, be happy with it. I think, I no. think you should just be content. No, you, I can be, should... I can be mad about it. I, I'm not irate, but I'm, I'm sad. And honestly, I'm more sad than anything that I didn't get to go to the last big 12 championship Whenever the other team that is there right now is Oklahoma State yeah, almost lost to BYU as a 17 and a half point favor on their on their home stadium. Agreed. And that's same garbage. Thing and what they did versus um, Central Florida as well. Like right. it's it's honestly so, embarrassing. I, I agree. That's fine. We can we can we can talk about it a little bit more. We have plenty of the offseason to, to to get on it. But gotta remember, pretty big news just dropping with everything with Levy. Let's kind of yeah. trend towards the future here, get back on track. Um, so we talked about Levy's exit, our thoughts on it earlier in the show. Let's talk about who we want next at offensive coordinator. Um, and let's start with the guy who a lot of people have talked about across the board. I feel like as a very, very trendy name, a very like kind of heir apparent and, um, a name we've talked about and people in the chat are talking about, uh, and that's Seth Luttrell. Uh, he's a current offensive analyst at OU. He was a former fullback at OU from 97 to 2000. Uh, he previously served as the offensive coordinator at Arizona, Indiana, and North Carolina, and then spent uh, a, a long tenure at um, North Texas, shout out to the Mean Green, uh, authoring two nine-win seasons in a place that's really hard to do that. Um, and uh, at one point, like, almost had the, had the K-State head coaching job, but, like, allegedly turned it down. Um, so, anyways, uh, let's let's talk about Latrell here. Um, what are y'all y'all's thoughts here? Do you think it's aiming a little too low, uh, or are you, you or are you happy with it with the hire potentially? I'll be, I'll be content with it. And here's one thing that it's came out that him and Jackson Arnold are really close. So that's that's a big positive. You want that kind of relationship with your star player and your off, future offensive coordinator. To be honest with you, I feel like that Oklahoma usually has put themselves in a position to where they can, you know, hold on to coordinators and make raises. They have that kind of bankroll. And Jeff Levy, I feel like, kind of went pretty easy, to tell you the truth. I didn't – we didn't read much of reports of OU's really trying to hold on here. I think that they've known that this – they've been probably going to cut the ties with Jeff Levy no matter where he ends up going. And they probably already had a contingency plan. And I bet you it's Seth Luttrell. And it just makes too much sense. And – we have guys like Emma Jones on this coaching staff as well that are going to keep on moving up in the ranks, and Bill Biedenbaugh is going to continue to be high up in this offensive system. I think Seth Luttrell will be a nice just kind of put in, and hopefully we won't have too many hiccups. 
Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's that's the thing is consistency, carryover. You know, this program is, in my opinion, moving in the right direction. And offensively, this is the right um, the right system, the right install. And especially as we're moving towards a really, really big transition, moving to the SEC, you want to keep things steady. And I think Luttrell, while he's not a sexy name, he's not an exciting name. I, I get it. I, I totally get it. You know, you don't want the guy who failed at North Texas in that position. That that doesn't sound super exciting. That being said, I feel like he's the right guy. He has experience uh, across the board as a play caller. He has uh, he's been ingrained in the program, and I think he's the right guy for this move. Honestly, uh, love the stuff he did at North Texas quite a bit. Um, was really really good with Mason Fine back in those days. And to me, I, I think it makes a lot of sense to have him in there. I think you entertain the idea of adding uh, Emmett Jones, the wide receiver coach, as a co-OC. I think that's a pretty solid, uh, pretty solid pairing there, um, and also helps keep him along um, around a little bit longer. I think his work with the uh, wide receiver room has been just excellent. So that's that's my current thought on it. I know it's not exciting. I know it's not what people would love to hear, but. That's kind of that's kind of what I'm thinking. One sec, Ty. Sorry, I, oh. I know that you you got some things to say here. I just got to say something quick because I feel like I'm going to forget about this. I feel like people that are saying that the Seth Latrell hire is something that they're not excited about, it's because he's like an analyst on our coaching staff. Let's take that away from us right now. Stop thinking like that. You think like, oh, I want a big splash hire. I want to go steal someone from another successful program. Take a step back here and be like, okay, Seth Luttrell is a former head coach that had success in his past, who has relationships, who's an Oklahoman and, you know, an alma mater of Oklahoma, and he's had success in his past. That right there, I feel like you should be excited about. And add on, yes, an analyst thing. Some people are using that as a negative. He already is ingrained within this system to where it should be a pretty seamless transition. So I don't know what is this like, you know, in people's heads where they're like, I need to go make a big splash hire and get some kind of big fish from another program. I think Seth Luttrell, if it wasn't for him just being in this analyst position right now, I feel like people would be very, very excited for a guy with that kind of resume. Yeah, yeah I, Ty, you got it. No, so I, I'll be the the dissenting opinion here. Um, and, and Jameson sort of gives me a good segue into it. I, I think that's, Great. I mean, that would be everything you listed to me, though, is sort of a deciding factor. That's the thing where I have two equal candidates or nearly equal candidates. And I go, oh, one of them played at OU, went to OU, you know, has tremendous OU ties, then I'm going to give him the nod. I, I do think that in the current college football landscape, there's tremendous value in those big splash, big name hires, especially if you're getting someone younger. Um, obviously North Texas is a little bit of a, a tough situation. And then he's been coaching for a long time, but looking around, you know, I don't see anything remarkable about what he did uh, recruiting wise. Um, you know, it's, he obviously wasn't super, super electric. So there are some other names out there that, you know, I, I would like to see, uh, unfortunately, a lot of things people have been tossing around guys like the, the current Michigan OC, the current Oregon OC, I think those are, you know, lateral moves. I think coming to from either of those teams to OU currently in, in this present season is maybe a bit of a downgrade. I don't think it is in terms of job, but, you know, why are you going away from, you know, 
contending for national championships or national championships in hand Heisman's in Oregon's case um, to come to OU, you know, maybe it's an SEC thing, but um, you know, one name that jumped out to me was Casey Woods over at SMU, you know, tremendous Texas ties. SMU has been very successful. You know, we've seen what that offense can do, obviously, you know, adjust a little bit, but I think that would be a younger name, maybe a bit more of a splash because you have a guy who is coming up through the ranks um, you know, progressing in, in jobs and is getting a big job and you can sort of build some hype around that. I just think it's it's very challenging to build a lot of hype around Seth Luttrell outside the program that's going to boost recruiting, that's going to boost, you know, everything else. Yeah, right. I, I, I see it. I see like you're trying to like tap into new potentials throughout like your recruiting hemisphere. I understand that Seth Luttrell really doesn't get that for you. But at the same time, you know, like this guy's kind of already established relationships. And I feel like we've been doing a pretty damn good job recently on the recruiting trail. And obviously there's always room for improvement, but I, I feel like if we just keep on keeping on, hopefully, you know, these recruiting classes will continue to pan out and give us some good athletes. I would, I would agree with that. I, I think overall consistency and, you know, just keeping, keeping the main thing, the main thing, which is winning ball games in Oklahoma helps a lot and keeping, you know, uh, Brent Venables as the main guy, you know, this, his regime, keeping it on the right track is, is big time. It's massive. I Um, mean, yeah, ideally you want to create that system that functions regardless of who the coordinators are, you know, it it hasn't been the same coordinator system um, at a lot of the big dimes, obviously Venables at Clemson, maybe a bit of an exception, but you know, you get the the Saban like system where you can just plug people into the system, let them learn a little bit. You know, obviously they progress and get a little bit better. You might take a step back when a certain guy leaves, or you might run a sort of a, a bit of a different offense when someone is there. But ideally, you know, if Venables is the right hire for OU, we're talking about a, a you know at least a decade, multi decade hire here. You want a system where you have it can be plug and play, whether it's you know maybe Latrell coming up or or someone younger. Um, I just think that, you know, we're, we have tremendous momentum right now, I would say, with having a coordinator hired away to become a head coach, sort of building out that coaching tree. I think, in my opinion, it would make sense to go with someone like Casey Woods, promote them up. If they do good, you know, then you get them for a couple of years and then they go off to the NFL or they go off to another head coaching job or something like that. And if you get two of those back to back, it sort of self-starts itself, sort of like Lincoln Riley with, with quarterbacks or you have, you know, Saban with coordinators or anything else. If you can do it more than once, you know, because we sort of, you know, Venables maybe didn't necessarily develop uh, Levy all that much and get him the job. But if we could do it more than once and then you have another young guy that's going out, taking up a head coaching job for the first time and doing fairly well in the next couple of years, then you can start to get that system where other coaches will say, I'm at Michigan right now, but I'm going to go ahead and, and make a lateral move over to OU because that's going to launch my career. Or I'm in Oregon right now, or I'm at whatever. And uh, I just I don't know that the the um, you know going with Latrell and obviously hypotheticals just for talking points here, but you know reading into the tea leaves there, I, I think there would be benefit in in looking elsewhere than someone who's already sort of failed as a head coach. Unfortunately, that's really the only way to put it. I, I see where you're coming from. I think I think that's fair. Um, I and I, I think I, I really like what SMU has done offensively this year. We've talked about them a lot, uh, obviously on the weekend spread a bit, and uh, you know when we played them. 
Uh, so I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't mind that uh, suggestion at all. Um, I want to kind of bring up a couple names as well. Um, uh, off, uh, keep in mind, by the way, Luttrell is not the only analyst who has former ke- coaching experience. Uh, Matt Wells, former Texas Tech and uh, Utah State head coach, is also uh, at the program. He's been with OU two years. That could be an option. I personally don't love it. I don't know how much of a uh, how much of a fit that is. I wasn't a huge fan of his Texas Tech teams. I liked his Utah State teams a lot, but I don't quite think that's uh, the direction we should go. But I-, I wouldn't be stunned to see that if we wanted to keep another internal type of guy. Um, also, you know, a couple names as well, fl- uh, like kind of floated out by uh, you know our friend Eli uh, Letterman at SelloutCrowd.com. Uh, he brought up Andy uh, Andy Kotelnicki from uh, Kansas as well. Uh, which I think is an intriguing, you know, kind of name. Um, I thought he, I think he's done really great stuff with Lance Leipold. Um, you got Sean Lewis, the former Kent State head coach. He's currently kind of in Deion uh, Sanders' doghouse, which is, uh, you know, not a great place to be. Uh, and then if we want to get wild, he threw a couple ones uh, out there as well. Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> if you want the flashy names, Cliff Kingsbury currently at USC. <laughs> and then my favorite, Scott Frost. So a little spicy there for me. Uh, I don't, I, like it. I don't necessarily hate Scott Frost. <laughs> if you told me it will right. Hear me out. If you said I have to pick between Scott Frost and Seth Luttrell just to be the OC. Easy. I might go with Scott Frost. Okay. You can, you can be that person. I'm not going to be that. I don't want so, okay, Scott Frost of- failed in the big tent. He was successful. When he had a group of five job, he was successful, right? Latrell failed in the group of five. The things that I've heard about Scott Frost in terms of his players just completely not giving him any respect is not something that I want in this program. Yeah. I've heard some really, really bad things about what the players thought about Scott Frost, and I think that would be a pitiful hire. Scott Frost basically acted like a, I don't know, a, like like somebody who like if I tried to go and hang out at Logie's on like a on like a Wednesday night, like that that type of thing. He, he, that's apparently how he just treated Lincoln. He didn't really treat it like a job, but more just like going back to school to mess around. So he tried to do I, the I, uh, I, the Urban Meyer extracurriculars without the championship winning. Yeah, Clyde in the comments also brought up Garrett Riley. I'd quit. Oh, I was just about I, to say that. I that's just that, I <laughs> that think. Where happening. have you heard that from? That would you actually that be from the message board geniuses. Clyde, I, Clyde, I, I don't know if the Riley family uh, has any interest in returning to Norman, uh, <laughs> given everything going on there. Lincoln I don't Riley. actually hate it. Just get <laughs> Seth Luttrell actually... for a year, and then we'll get Lincoln Riley back as OC. <laughs> if you mind wiped all of us. <laughs> and I would not be opposed to well, Garrett Riley OC, but like, let's, but there, there's too much baggage there. I think, uh, he brought also brought up, um, you know, uh, yeah. Sharon Moore from, uh, Michigan. I think that guy probably is looking a little he's bit. He's going to get a head coaching job. Yeah. He's look, that man's looking he higher just coached, than he's, he's been coaching as the acting head coach and yeah, like, he I, won the game. Yeah. He went three and oh and won the game. He's I, not going to come to OU to be an OC. No. Unfortunately. That that yeah. man's gonna get a head no, coach. Didn't he go? Like, uh, he went like six and zero oh because he coached early in the season. That's too. true. Or no, I think he only coached like one or two games uh, because they he did like a like weird. They did like a weird alternating situation yeah. uh, with the Harbaugh's Harbaugh's uh, 
I don't know, uh, suspension. Yeah. yeah, that was the hamburger <laughs> suspension. Um, <laughs> genuinely funny sentence I just said right now. Um, so my that's my thing with him is it's a uh, he's gonna get a head coaching job. Look, Jeff Lebby just got a head coaching job in the SEC. The the guy who who won the game a couple Which... couple moments ago is probably probably going to get one as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, and that's the thing I said about Sharon Moore, you know, for Michigan. He's an O-line guy, and I feel like in terms of, like, getting a guy for this program, I don't think we'd want an O-lineman kind of history in our offensive coordinator just because Bill Beanbow has such a strong presence on this offense. He's already his co-offensive coordinator and plays, like, his footprint is very, very large. So Seth Luttrell – He's a running back guy. He's, you know, played running back. He's coached running back the position and, you know, offense coordinator, all that stuff. And I feel like in the way we've been really needing to play recently as a football program is needing better run schemes. And I think Latrell is a guy that could, you know, cook some stuff up this offseason. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I personally like Latrell. That's my, that's my pick right now if we have to pick one, but... I, I think I'm to be honest with you, Bobby. I'm not surprised if it's already decided. I, I have same. no knowledge on it. And saying like I have some kind of source, everyone listening, I don't have sources. I don't. I'm just saying I would not be surprised just figuring, looking at this whole situation um, that it's already decided. Yeah. No, Jameson is like, like 10 year old me at a Buffalo Wild Wings, no sauces. You know, so, um, anyways, I, I'm with you. <laughs> I, 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 I think they probably had a succession plan in place probably ever since, uh, the whole Art Bryles, you know, fiasco. And I, yeah. honestly, by the way, I'm surprised Ty hasn't brought up Art Bryles yet. I, yeah, I you did that a couple it. weeks ago. Again, you did, you again, didn't want to repeat, repeat bits. I get it. Reminder this is not a bit, this is an indictment on OU. Art Bryles did exactly the same thing that Levy did. And he was just perma-banned, which he should have been, right? They're like, there's there's a whole different set of lawsuits that just specifically name people going to Jeff Levy specifically. And we thought it was cool. So all I'm saying is Art Bryles adjusted during the games. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm not actually advocating for Art Bryles. I think Jimbo... Uh, maybe you know we could get him on on the cheap. Now so we're talking. There we go. Get get He's Jimbo in here. A splash. Get Jimbo <laughs> in here with his uh with with his cheesecake factory like play sheet. You know we, that's what that's what went wrong for him this year. He ditched the he ditched the like you know small novella of plays and handed it to Bobby Petrino, who wrecked it just like he wrecked his motorcycle. <laughs> so yeah. All and right. I, I feel like one thing we didn't mention, Bobby, that, you know, people are keeping us um, humble in the chat. Like, Joe John Finley's gone. There's no doubt about it. We're going to have to be looking for a new tight ends coach. I wouldn't be surprised if there's probably maybe a, one or two people more that maybe in smaller roles from this team that go with Levy. I don't know. if I, I'm just throwing names out. Once again, we're playing Bobby No Sauces here. Like, J.P. Lossman, you know, like, would he go <laughs> – you know, go with, hang out with Jeff Tanner Schaefer. I, I, true. But like, yeah. but no doubt about it. Joe John Finley should be gone just because this is like Jeff Lebby's best friend. Like it's a good jumping a off point too, friendship here. And also another position that I would kind of like to see some new coaching in because the tight end position tie was not it this year. 
was not it. And I understand there might have been a lack of talent. So I we had a bad OC. <laughs> I don't want hey. Exactly. But I don't want to, you know, really put down Joe John Finley for the way the tight ends played because we had nobody. But I mean, if he leaves, I'm cool with it. Yeah. Same. A bit underwhelming. But, you know, would love would love Joe John to uh end up at a good spot there. I'm just I, excited. I be- Go ahead, Ty. You got it. I was going to say on a sort of a, a capping off on, on the OC thing, reminder that I think everyone thinks, barring some big exceptions, the defense has certainly taken a step forward uh, this year. They were pretty well respected at one point. Um, and we just have a random person, uh, like someone on essentially jury duty, that's just a figurehead <laughs> to, to be defensive coordinator. So that might be Latrell's role here. There, there might be some sort of just – like strategy on Venables' part because Venables isn't pl- calling the, the plays either. So maybe there's some idea to just create infinite levels of bureaucracy. And uh, I don't know why I said that like that. And uh, things just happen to to work out because I think that's what we're doing defensively. I think there's a reason we haven't really heard Ted Roof's name a lot this season. I think it's because Brent Venables has taken a lot more control of the offense. Um, but you're right, Ted. Ted Roof is just sitting there. He's sit, he's sitting there like that blue dude who's always standing next to Palpatine in all the Star Wars movies. <laughs> he's not doing anything. He's just hanging out. But apparently, he's he's important. So, I, I think that is completely right. He just needs someone in his corner. He pretty much just like, hey, uh, Ted, you think this is a good idea? Oh yes, coach. Of course, coach. <laughs> all right. He's just, he's just there to sit there and wear really well structured hats. Just. You know, uh, okay. So that's pretty much all we got for OC. We can respect um, that, and we'll be, of course, following this as uh, the off season. I'm sure firm I've... news. Firm news of someone that we didn't even mention getting hired is going to drop like five minutes after we log off. As okay. is tradition. As is tradition, it's probably going to be like Seth Luttrell instantly. Yeah, or, whole or podcast... they bring back Kale. <laughs> yeah, our whole podcast last week just like was complete garbage because everything just we were talking about Jackson Arnold being our starting quarterback. And then like the next morning, which was a freaking Monday morning, like we were doing this on a Sunday, just like, oh, Dylan Gabriel is expected to play. Yeah. So, yeah, you, know, you never know at this point. Yeah, it's probably going to be Cliff and we're going to have to emergency pod. Um, look, speaking. Yes. Of that, speaking of that uh, TCU game. um. Do we want to talk about it at all? Like I, I, I it, it feels a billion years ago. It was only on Friday. Sooners won 69 to 45. We're not going to dive into the full recap that we always do. I don't think because, you know, I, eh, do we need to? No, um, no. but be big oh, takeaways from each side of the ball. Yeah. Offensively, I felt pretty good. You know, 69 points racking up a lot of obviously, you know, great number. Uh, especially against, you know, Boat and Blake's TCU Horn Frogs was was fun. I thought the offense looked good. Dylan Gabriel put up a massive stat sheet, you know, 400 yards, three touchdowns, you know, uh, scrambled around a little bit. Rushing game was good. You know, the receiving core was good. Like, I, I don't really see much wrong with the offense on this game. That was that was fun. Yeah, um, I think our receiving room still has a little bit of room to develop Nick Anderson specifically, but he's he's going to be very, very dangerous next year when he gets a, a little bit more development. But yeah, other than that, you know, just sort of nitpicking things that maybe could use some work, the O-line, maybe a little bit. Um, I don't know why Jameson's trying to talk crap on the tight ends. They are averaging 13 yards per reception. Oh, so, wow. Uh, it's just a, a typical ball, not knower. 
uh, take just doesn't he? The thing is, is Jamison is such a casual. He doesn't actually. He still hasn't figured out if they're receivers or if they're linemen, so it, it confuses and scares him, uh, and he lashes out. That's I think you've gotten down to it, but you know, talking about the offensive line because I feel like this is something fun to talk about. How about Jacob Sexton just saying, "Hey, Tyler Guyton, this is mine." You know, that's kind of kind of weird. Um, <laughs> just I think that just completely seals that Tyler Guyton's gone. You know, because he should have been playing by this point. Seems like he's kind of like opted out and he's just ready to take his spies, the next OU offensive lineman to get drafted like in the first two days. I, I don't know if he's a first round talent, but, you know, Jacob Sexton coming in there, playing really well at the right tackle. Caden Green playing really well at the left guard. I mean, we've got some fun young pieces on this offensive line that I'm really excited about. I'd agree with that. I, I was really excited with the uh, O-line play. Again, you know, I, I kind of mentioned Sexton a little last week, but, you know, to see him back again and be like, oh, this isn't just an injury thing, pretty neat. So mm-hmm. He is a little rusty to start um, the season. Um, he had some things that he could have gotten better at, but I feel like he's been very solid. And as a right tackle, like, that's what you need. Yeah, development. Development's great. So I'm all about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Anyways. Props to Drake Stoops. Can we Great. just give him the game ball? Like we're Great gonna yeah, so 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 much next season. A guy like him is what makes this offense able to put up just shy of seventy points. Yep, twelve receptions, hundred twenty-five yards, one touchdown. Don Key Award winner, along with Dylan Gabriel and Woody Washington. Pretty great day. Pretty great day for Drake Stoops. Uh, you know, and well deserved. You know, uh, as I mentioned on the last pod, you know we we have done this podcast for the entirety of Drake Stoops' career, which is both, I, I don't know if that's a testament to how how short we've done the podcast. We've done this podcast a while. This kind of shows how long this podcast has lasted and how long Drake Stoops uh, has been in college, but um, really cool stuff. Really cool stuff for Drake. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll do game ball for Drake, but special mention to Sawchuck, who I believe had a career game. Um, and that was a big piece that was missing from our, our offense all year was that. that yeah. Impact. The emergence of Sawchuck at the end of the season is what we needed as a momentum piece going into the off season, because now we know that we can have our number one guy in Sawchuck, no questions mm-hmm. about it. And it's not like a, oh, Sawchuck has definitely looked like the best running back. You know, he should turn into the RB1 in the off season. No, the way we are running him, it is a clear no RBC. You know, Oklahoma for years now has had RBC running back by committee. And it's not that. It's Sawchuck, 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 and a little bit of Tommy Walker now. And that shows you how confident this coaching staff is in him. And we'll see it more in the bowl game. And we'll see it plenty next season as he's a junior. Yeah, definitely no RBC for now. But you you got Taylor Tatum coming in, you know, getting getting some, you know, spot minutes maybe. Who knows? So, Going to be exciting. Going to be exciting to see that for sure. But uh, yeah, got to give Sawchuck a, a, a you know game or like and not Drake Stoops game ball because nobody unless he threw up a stinker, nobody was getting that over Drake. So mm-hmm. um, defensively, a uh, little bit more hairy. Yeah. Uh, really good first half. Uh, not a great second half. So yep. a little bit tricky to talk about that. But there were some bright points to say the least. Billy Bowman. Another pick six. I believe he tied the OU record for pick sixes in a season with three. So, or said it. I, I can't read. He, he's, he's, he has the record or tied, tied the record, which is very impressive. Um, 
but overall just a little too porous in the second yeah, yeah. I, I agree it's our linebackers did not have a good day. You could sell, see Brent Venables just lying into Danny Stutzman. I don't know if he's fully 100% healthy, but like he's not playing up to his, you know, where he needs to be. He'll make a good play every once in a while, but there's been a lot of plays where the linebackers just were not in position to make the plays and they just pop off for long gains. And the defensive line has continued just to be blah. You know, they're all right. They had a decent game, but like, our pass rush is just still the defensive line just can't get to the quarterback. So it just really does in terms of their defensive end, put a lot of pressure on our linebackers and our secondary. And I, I think that is the one thing, if we could look into this off season fix, it's going to help whenever PJ starts to develop more. But if we could look to go into the portal and get a big time pass rusher, that's, I feel like imperative number one priority for us. Yeah, I agree with Jameson. The the D line has been, I think, the same that they've been all year, and and it's a problem. And when we have games for whatever reason or reasons that the linebackers are are having an off game, I mean, the linebackers were the the critical element to this defense. When the linebackers were on, when the linebackers were hot, uh, we were very very good, getting a lot of national chatter. And then when the linebackers struggled, or you know, Danny Stutzman was out for those that game and a half, uh, we really really struggled, and that's because they are there to hold it together. No secondary can hold up to just constant assault um, game after game after game. It does like, doesn't matter if you go to the NFL, doesn't matter if you go whatever level, however, you know, pick your dream team secondary. If you target them 50 times, there's going to be some, some uh, successes in there. I don't know how many times TCU threw the ball, but for instance, like you can't, you can't count on your secondary to sit there and and make plays, although they did. So I, I really, yeah, the linebackers had an off game, but it's it's ultimately a D-line problem, like Jamison said. It's the fact that they just cannot get to a quarterback, and they're not really that solid against the run either. I mean, they're not really – it's almost like we throw just a little bit of a smaller O-line out there, um, and, and that's sort of what's happening. I don't, I don't know what's going on with that. That's supposed to be a Venable's hallmark, so hopefully we continue to develop that. But I think, yeah, I mean, Billy Bowman had – I think the the game of the game for the defense that interception was a that was not a handed to you that was a very very good run uh, so maybe look at getting him some 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 uh, some offense snaps. Yeah, I mean Bowman, incredible player. That was that was awesome, an awesome awesome return to say the least. Um, incredibly exciting. But to echo your points, D line got to improve. You you'd have to think the injection of talent we're about to get in with uh this recruiting class is going to be very very helpful uh but you know you just gotta hope that won't be immediate though it won't be immediate that's not gonna fix this next season gotta get in the portal and shore it up you know the the only guy who can probably start playing snaps day one is probably david stone Mm -hmm. um if we're just being honest but you know you never know what schmitty uh schmitty will build in the off season but uh yeah let's 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 be let's be patient with these guys yeah, like I hope guys like Grayson Halton, you know, obviously PJ, and then if he could just get some consistency out of a guy like R. Mason Thomas, those are like the things you hope for. But now this last game, this is now five straight games where the defensive lineman did not have a recorded QB sack. It's absolutely That's unacceptable. Awful. That is awful. Yeah, it's not like we said, it's it's a 
it's like a statistical anomaly at this point that it hasn't happened just by accident. We've been making excuses for them the like whole a, year. A lineman, last year too. Yeah, like an O lineman should have tripped or something. At the, like you're talking several hundred snaps. And yeah, it, it's just bad. It's just it bad at this point. It's, There's just not many times where our defensive line gets off the tackles blocks and then makes the quarterback, you know, and put in a bad decision and sacks him. Uh, and the thing is, like, people are saying, like, I'm not really happy with the way, you know, our secondary is playing and our linebackers are playing. But whenever your first level of defense is the one that is not, you know, helping you out, and the way Venable's scheme is, is like Bobby said this whole year, this bend, don't break defense. They play a lot of zone. And um, you just hope that your athletes can out-athlete them. Whenever you're not getting a pass rush, that completely tears down everything. A zone is not a zone unless you have some sort of pressure on the upper front, and that's just not it with this um, with this current team. Yeah, for sure. Uh, game balls. Uh, just agree on uh, Billy, Billy Bowman here. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, psych, uh, because I'm giving mine to Delarin Turner Yell, who recorded oh, two yes. tack- he recorded two tackles last week uh, against the Vikings. Didn't Ooh. record any stats against today today uh, against the Browns, but I'm still proud of him. Good for him. So he gets two game balls for for both hey. games. Shout so out Zach for, Schmidt, 100% on the day. Great on Zach Schmidt. Yeah, I got to say, though, go ahead, Ty. Speaking of, speaking of we, specialty. We got to talk about Gavin Freeman, man. <laughs> that was, this, guy should, this guy should straight up not be on the team. That like, play, like, I'm not talking about, oh, oh, he shouldn't get snaps anymore. He shouldn't be on the team. That he's, dude's got, he's seeing ghosts out there. What I, what? I, I hadn't been that mad at a play in a long time when he dove at that. That is, that is, just you, you if you're a punt returner you just know not to make that decision it is it, it, it's it's so bad um you, why <laughs> why it's would like, you it, do that it's, it's been a bit up until this game why do we keep giving this dude chances like He's, what is you, you tell me there's no one on our team there's not a single other player who knows if i wave off of it don't jump on it like that's the standard that we're at now if we can get someone who just doesn't jump on and fumble a punt after they've waved off of it, that would be an improvement over Gavin Freeman. So I, I really got to figure it out, man. It does mad. not make sense to me. Yeah. I think he should transfer to tech where he originally committed. <laughs> the thing is like, people are saying like, Oh, put Stoops back there. Do you really want Stoops back there? No, get, we don't want to risk. That dude gets blasted every single like down in terms of his offensive performance. Let's just try to get him away from some hits because he, man, that guy takes some hits. He is tough, but I, I just want to try to avoid him getting hit a couple more times extra on what he normally does. And then, um, you know, LV Bunkley Shelton, I understand that's not like a sexy pick. People are like, oh, put Billy back there. Look what he's doing with pick six. Like, didn't he get hurt he last did. year during, during a return? So I think like pretty much they're just going to not do that anymore. So I, I think we're kind of stuck with either Bunkley Shelton or Freeman here. Right. I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Okay. So Dyer Game Balls talked about offense and defense. Didn't have time to wrap through and go in depth on everything. So sorry if there are questions that are still hanging out there. Uh, but there is a big question hanging over OU and the offense right now. And that lies with Dylan Gabriel. I think we've all assumed that Gabriel, this is the last year at OU, Jackson Arnold's next. But he seemed to kind of leave the door open a little bit after the game, uh, whether or not he will, he'll return. Uh, his future, I think, is going to be a concern here. 
Uh, obviously, he went through senior, senior day presentations, won the Don Key Award. I personally think he's done at OU. I think it's just time to move on to the next generation. I think it would be a bad move to continue to drag it out and you know leave Jackson Arnold cold on the bench. I think you have to start developing and moving forward at some point. But I don't know, guys. What do you think? What What do you think? What, what do you think DJ's next move is? The NFL, uh, maybe Mississippi State, different spot, or uh, surely not back here though, right? I, if he stays then Arnold is gone, 100%. You, if you're Jackson Arnold, you don't stay and sit behind Dylan Gabriel again. That would be absurd. It's like you get the, the Quinn Ewers paradox, right, of the way that college football is now with the transfer portal is not the way that it was. You know, How many times have you heard that talking point? I think it hasn't necessarily changed it all that much in a lot of ways, but this specific scenario is one of the ways that the transfer portal has significantly, massively changed college football and teams haven't really adjusted to it. Right. I think I've been, I, again, this is not a bit, I am very high on Dylan Gabriel, but Dylan Gabriel is a very specific tool that requires very specific circumstances to be successful. And if he's not paired with someone who really knows him and Levy and people who he has a ton of chemistry with, I don't know. I think if he stays at OU, I think he takes a step back next year with a new coordinator. I also think that it puts you know, OU in a position where you are for sure losing Arnold, and then now you have Dylan Gabriel for another year, and then what? I, I almost think we're at a point now, and I'm more serious about this with Texas and Quinn Ewers because he's announced he's, say, he's staying. I understand Quinn Ewers is maybe better than – I make him out to be in his bits, but I think we're at a point now where we're going to start to see these major programs not bring guys back because it, it has not been the norm in college football that you get a guy like Quinn Ewers or Dylan Gabriel, for example, who says, I'm coming back for another year, and the program goes, no thanks, I think you should look elsewhere. That would be crazy the first time someone does it, but I think it will become the norm uh, here shortly, and, and you're going to see some big issues if you start to see names like Jackson Arnold or Arch Manning hit the portal after people threw out a bag on him because Quinn Ewers is a, a bum and wants to stay in Texas. And it's I I know that there's been some OU media, and I know our you know Jenny Carlson of Sellout Crowd wrote an article about you know Dylan Gabriel leaving the door open. I no offense to Jenny, I just don't think there's any way, shape, or form DG is coming back. And anyone who's paid attention to this OU football team all year knows that he's not coming back. Anyone who watched the scene, like the senior day um, ceremony, know he's coming back. The way he commented in his post game press conference, I don't think that is him leaving the door open. I think that is him just being very, very vague because that's what athletes do. And I think we're kind of turning it into a story here, but it's not a story to begin with. So I think that he's known since the beginning of the season, this is his last season, and Jackson Arnold was the future. And I don't think there's really much to talk about, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I just put it out there because I, I think it's 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 worthwhile to talk about. Yeah, because people are talking yeah. about it right now. Yeah. And people but, are, are thinking that it's an option. I, I don't even think I, that it's even a thing. And call me wrong. But the no, thing is, here's my take on Dylan Gabriel, Bobby. Let, let me just put this out there. People are saying like, oh, he's done what he needs to as OU football's quarterback. OU's um, fo- a quarterback. Um, you know, he can't go much higher right now. Um, in terms of what he could do in the NFL. So he should leave because if he came back, it would just be more of the same. 
I agree with that, but here's my thought process on him. The way that Dylan Gabriel is, you know, his build and the way he's shown on tape, I don't think NFL scouts are going to be that excited to get him in their room. I don't think he'll be a day one or two kind of guy. I think he'd be a day three type of quarterback. And a day three type of quarterback is very hard to make the roster as an NFL player. The way he's playing as a college quarterback, I think he's a huge asset to where I think he has one more year of eligibility. eligibility. He should use that and get an NIL bag and then go whenever he's extinguished all of his eligibility to the NFL. Because I think that extra year of NIL, getting the millions, the seven figures that he could get from most, the majority of programs across the country right now um, would be very important. If you look at the quarterback draft right now, there are so many big programs that are losing their quarterbacks. There are so many teams that he could go to and be a really good shoe in and make a good, solid program continue what they did the year before. And I think that's the biggest thing is, and to Ty's point about, you know, some some programs might tell him guys, you know, time to time to move on. I think there's a market for guy for programs that need a stopgap. Need, you know, they don't quite have, you know, a freshman that they're ready to put out there yet. So you might want a Dylan Gabriel to steady the program a little bit. You know, obviously, you know, Mississippi State could be one of those uh programs. Mm-hmm. Will Rogers transferring out. Uh, the airport quarterback is on the move, as Ty, as Ty may or may not say. He, he's catching flights, not feelings. Um, he wouldn't say that. That's stupid. Uh, but I will say, I, but no, I, I think Gabriel does have a lot of value in college, and we'll see a lot of those kind of journeyman type of guys, you know, make a make in a NIL type of moves. And, you know, I, I, I don't hate that for the sport. I really don't. I think that's an interesting, um, an interesting idea. And look, I'm just saying, Ohio State. I'd rather have Dylan Gabriel out there than the Kyle McCord at that point. Oh, that, that guy's not going to. That, that guy's not it, man. Um, anyways, that's enough on DG. Um, he was. I, I thought he was the right quarterback at the right time, given everything going on, and he, he he'll occupy occupy a weird place in OU lore. Kind of in a similar way of like Landry Jones between Sam Bradford era and, you know, Baker Mayfield, all of that. I don't know. Um, I, I think he did a lot for the community, did a lot for uh, the program. And, you know, obviously his his time at OU Texas, his OU Texas performance will go down forever. Uh, not the greatest or anything, but he was a very good quarterback who did a lot of good things in a really difficult time. So we thank him for his time, but it's time to move on. It's my thought. So, mm-hmm. yeah, respectfully. All right, let's close this thing out with one last topic. So, as everybody knows, the Sooners knocked out of the Big Twelve Championship, uh, meaning that uh, the auto bid to the New Year's to a New Year's Six Bowl off the table. But the Sooners sit, sitting at th- uh, thirteen right now, probably moving up to twelve with Louisville's loss. They're floating around that New Year's Six conversation, guys. So. Um, I got to ask, what do y'all think? Do you think the Sooners have any shot at making a bowl like the Cotton Bowl or the Fiesta Bowl? Die, maybe Fiesta Bowl. Um, if uh, if things fall out, um, I don't know. I I I personally am fine with the Alamo if it if it yeah, ends up that way. Up. But... It's going to be Arizona versus us in the Alamo. I bowl. hate that. I, I think it's already decided. It's just Arizona has been a sneaky good team, and I feel like they've been disrespected just because their their recent reputation been so poor. I just don't see in way, any way, shape, or form the way that the CFP committee has been looking at this OU football team 
that we're going to get the respect to make a jump to where we would be in the New York six conversation. I feel like I don't, don't we have to make like a jump like over two more spots? Is that what it is, Bobby, in terms of people that are competing around us? Well, I think the door would be opened if Texas makes the college football playoff, which I, um, I don't see that scenario. Um, like it would have to be because I think if Oregon beats Washington, Oregon, so Oregon would get in over Texas. So yep. a- Andy Staples of the Athletic, not Athletic, sorry, of uh, on three, uh, currently has uh, his projection. He has OU Washington in the Fiesta. Um, which, and what's the math there? What's who is that? Because Texas is going to the CFP. I, I think. Yeah, he. I think he has. No, he actually has Texas in the Cotton, which is weird. I think um, his math is OU big brand good. You know, and at the end of the day, the CFP will just make the right TV decision. Who is it pushing out? Is it pushing out Missouri? Is Missouri not in a bowl? I think they. Is Penn, I is think, Penn State in a bowl? Or is Ole Miss in a bowl? Because I feel those are teams. Those three teams are above us right now. Let me look. Uh, because I, I think for a football decision, I, I would agree with you. I think they probably keep the Sooners out if we're going strictly based on, you know, I, fo- you know, how are they going to, how are they going to push us over Ole Miss, Penn State and Missouri? That, that, so, that's my question. Well, I think, yeah, no, no Penn State, no Missouri in this. It's, that's, uh, that this makes sense, but the, the committee can still adjust. It, Penn State is going to be hard to compete with that, that TV brand power. I, I think. I could see the committee pulling some strings and putting us over Ole Miss, for example. And they're two Penn State's two losses are to Michigan and Ohio State. Right, but that, well, I think that yeah, but that's a, but the quality loss three. mentioned for me, Ty. <laughs> no, but, well, it's yeah, not a but, quality loss because they're but, a shit team. They've just what's Penn State's best win? Good teams. What is Penn State's best win? Like Iowa, maybe. Did like they actually, even play Iowa? Actually, did they play Iowa? I don't I, I don't think they played Iowa. I think it, it legitimately it might be West Virginia or Rutgers, maybe. I guess so. I think good it might lord, act. they they beat Iowa thirty-one to zero. Okay, well, good on them. I, I they'll I, say I guess, Michigan. They'll say that their signs were stolen or something. Goofy. I guess it would be Iowa. Yeah. So I I don't know. It would be they did it would keep be a it long shot. double digits for both Ohio State and Michigan. Yeah, I, look, there'd have to be some chicanery there. Um, I just don't see how we can make it over. Like, I, Ole Miss is already above us. What we did versus TCU is not going to make them want to bump us over Ole Miss. You gotta, I you don't gotta see how we can the... get bumped over Penn State. I don't see how we can get bumped over Missouri. Like, I don't, I don't understand why people's math is coming into here. Like, what is the committee is going to sit down and be like, you know what? That's sixty-nine to forty-five with a with an offensive coordinator that's leaving. You know I, that makes total sense. Why we bump them? Like no, yeah. no. The one thing that like we did no well was all. offense. They're just they're just picking and choosing what they want to do. Just exactly. Picking, yeah. we, all we had is offense. We did yeah. not play. You're talking about so a team losing their offense coordinator is going to get a bump in the rankings. Okay, but like what what does Ole Miss have? They have a tiny TV market. They have a tiny like if they didn't have Lane Kiffin, they'd have about twelve people watching their games. Like it, it's going to be hard I, I to sell. I do not see how they would bump us up. I just don't see the argument that they could play. So, they, there's, so there's none to be had. Here, here is here is his full New Year's Six predictions. Here, and this is just Staples. It's uh, Georgia, Florida State in the Sugar Bowl in the College Football Playoff. Then you have Michigan, Oregon in the in the Rose Bowl game. You have uh, Louisville and Ohio State in the Orange Bowl. OU, Washington Fiesta Bowl. Texas, Ole Miss in the Cotton Bowl. 
And then Tulane and Alabama in the Peach. I feel like that's pretty close. Yeah. So no, no Missouri, I feel like is really disrespectful. I think I think they'll probably end up putting the Sooners in over Missouri if it came down to it. It'll be what? tight. Why? I don't know because they're dumb. <laughs> no, like, they're dumb. but seriously, like, why would they do that? I, what is I Missouri? Don't, I, don't I, I feel like they've got some good wins on the season, and they've kept some. Like, you know, they beat Kansas State, which I feel like was a really big win for them. And obviously, their momentum is much bigger than that of ours right now. Well, it they are ten and two. I, I think OU's biggest win is obviously bigger. You know, Texas is still very respected. Obviously, uh, Missouri's losses aren't are, are way better. If we're talking about quality losses, you know, LSU and Georgia, there's nothing to scoff at, and their performance against Georgia was great. So, mm-hmm. I look if we're going football, I could I could see them edging just edging OU in just because of their performances being better. But their best win is it's either Tennessee or K State. They, they don't quite have the quality wins that, it, that OU does. OU has worse losses, but I could I could see an argument there where you put OU in based off that Texas win. Um, but we'll see how it goes. I You know, they always reshuffle things, you know, when they reach that final week. Boat and Blake, uh, TCU fan, obviously knows that. TCU going from, what, like second or third to seventh, you know, in the last week. So we'll see how it all shakes out. But I, I agree, Jameson. I think if we have to really pick one, have to predict it it's it's probably going to be the alamo bowl against arizona which would absolutely suck because jed fish has done a great job you have to imagine they're going to be really fired up and motivated mm-hmm. that's been one of the best coaching jobs in college football this season what fish did and it's one of it's just it's just nasty business i i would not want to be involved in that it just yeah, does not it's a lose-lose situation it does nothing for me it does nothing for me so we'll see where it goes but i don't know so that's kind of our thoughts there. But look, until then, we're just going to be sitting around waiting to see where the Sooners end up. One game left. Um, who knows where it'll be? So uh, just going to sit back and watch some watch the last regular well, last kind of big weekend of college football uh, before bowl season. Um, and we'll talk about it this Wednesday on the weekend spread. Uh, pretty big finale, boys. It's it's tight across the board. Jameson made a massive nine and one rally last week. Uh, Ty's Ty had a had a pretty great week as well. Bobby's Stop back him. in the danger I, zone. I am in the massive danger zone right here. I'm only two games above above uh, above the bottom here. And look. Whoever wins, if, if, if there's a tie at the bottom, we both have to do it. Uh, me, me and whoever would have to do it. And that doesn't sound good. I, I, I do not want to give Blake or Jameson that power at all um, to control my alarm clock for the next couple weeks. So you got to tune in and know what, you, what you're rooting for here on Wednesday. Uh, Going to be some exciting, big, big time picks. Um, and yeah, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm so thrilled for that. And then obviously our bull pick show. Uh, shows always always great always entertaining so can't wait for that guys cool all right uh i do not believe there is anything else see 1982 hanging out in the chat good to see you there um but i think we're gonna wrap this thing um Guys, thanks for coming on early to talk about the levy news. I really appreciate it, especially Ty, who's you know out on the West Coast. So this is a little bit 
early. Jameson, I know you're itching to go watch your Chargers, uh, you know, disappoint you as as per usual. So let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. For me, Ty and Jameson, this has been the Schooner Pod. Thank you all so much for watching with us this uh, regular season. Uh, we always appreciate it. And we're looking forward to what is going to be an insane offseason as the Schooner Pod rolls into the bowl season. And then, and then the SEC. So lots of great content coming our way. Thank you all so, so much. Um, until next time. Good luck out there, everyone. Boomer Sooner.